I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Yesterday, the last American military personnel left Afghanistan. We're standing by for the President of the United States, Joe Biden, to address the nation following that evacuation from Afghanistan. The question is, is this the end or should it be the beginning of a bigger leadership conversation? Let's us begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Uh, We have to get past the headlines. We are standing by to listen to the president. We will cover that when it comes in. We also have joining us on the line to begin that bigger leadership conversation. Utah Representative Chris Stewart joins us on the line. Uh, Representative, thanks for jumping on quickly and uh, give us your perspective. Is this the the end or is this the should this really be the beginning of a of a different and a bigger conversation? Well, it's certainly got to be the beginning of another conversation, and it certainly is not the end of our involvement with Afghanistan because we know we've left Americans behind, and we know we've left some of our allies, our Afghan allies, who had the courage to work with American soldiers for the last 20 years, and they believed us when we said we will not abandon you, and too many of them we have. And the president will come out and say, well, we've left something like 200 Americans behind. That's absolute nonsense, Boyd. It was just 10 days ago that the administration said, we think there's between 10,000 and 15,000 Americans in Afghanistan. We think the number is probably around 11,000. They since have evacuated between 5,400 and 6,000, leaving what? I mean, those numbers don't add up at all. That's something like four or 5,000 Americans who are left behind. And they just simply don't know, but they don't want to admit that. Yeah. So he's going to come on and say, well, we've left something like 200. That's, as I said, it's just nonsense. It's just not true. And if even if it's one, it's too many. If it's 200, it's too many. If it's thousands, it's just much worse. But either way, we don't leave Americans behind. Yeah. And as we look at those that uh, are behind again, whether that's 200 or two or 5,000, uh, we, we need to know that. And do we have any sense? Is there any intel from any of your briefings that gives you any indication as to who they might be, uh, why they haven't been able to be evacuated? Do you have any in, uh, sense in terms of uh, who it is that's still there? Yeah, I mean, in some cases, they're families of, of Americans uh, who have not been able to leave. In some cases, they are uh, green card holders and what we call yellow card holders. You know, people who had uh, access to the Pentagon. They were trusted allies who worked in the, uh, I'm sorry, in the, in the embassy. They're not the Pentagon. But uh, listen, this is what I know. I have talked to people who have said, I've stood outside the gates. I've lifted my U.S. passport. I have begged and cried for them to allow me to come in. And they would not allow me to come onto the, uh, into the U.S. embassy or onto the airport. 
And it's like you said, Boyd, it doesn't matter if there's two. It doesn't matter what the number is. Don't pretend that we didn't leave them behind. And then the second thing is, if you to your, to your second question, is the conversation about leadership. Oh, my gosh. All over the world, they're having conversations about who is the United States now? Can we trust the United States now? Can we trust this president? And it's going to take a, regen, a generation to rebuild the, the trust and confidence of the world community and it's going to take another Ronald Reagan kind of leader to do that. Yeah, I know you've been involved in a number of conversations today with many of your colleagues uh, in the House in terms of trying to reconvene. Uh, it's been one of those head scratchers uh, that, you know, the British Parliament uh, had been called back into session, you know, within hours uh, and uh, did something extraordinary in, in uh, holding the president of the United States in contempt. Uh, for the handling of some of these things. Uh, what is it that you're talking about with your colleagues? Is it time to just say, hey, Congress, let's get everybody back in the building uh, and let's have a serious conversation about this in front of the American people? Well, there's no question that's true, which is why we are here. But Speaker Pelosi will not reconvene Congress. We know that. We've asked her again and again and again. And she just simply won't. So we went on the House floor today and asked for uh, a special motion, and we were ignored and, and not recognized. But by the way, we're not here to condemn the administration. I think history and time will show the mistakes that were made, and there will eventually be an accounting and shame on, on General Milley and General Austin and others in the military who haven't resigned up to this point. But there will be a time for the accounting. What we're trying to do is four things. Number one, we will not leave Americans behind. Number two, what is your plan for the $80 billion worth of military equipment we just handed to the Taliban? Number three, will you promise you will not pay the Taliban, that you won't release the, the millions of dollars of resources as they hold Americans essentially hostage? And the last thing is, don't recognize the Taliban. They are not the legitimate government. This is a military coup. We've never recognized military coups as coups as the legitimate leaders of the nation, and we shouldn't do it here, but it's clear the State Department is leaning in that direction. So these are just four priorities that we think are critical to moving forward and to try to take a catastrophe and minimize the damage from it as best that we can. Yeah, I I think it's so vital that we really, you know, we will have that full accounting and that, uh, as you said, Congressman, that will take place in the the days, months, and years uh, that are yet to come. Uh, But coming back to the the individuals, I, I think it's very easy for us uh, comfortably here in the West uh, to look at numbers and say, well, that's a lot, that's a little. Uh, it's easy to get lost in, in all of the numbers. Uh, and so to me, it's always important that we bring it down to the individuals. And uh, from your office, from your position, uh, what do you know in terms of some of the individuals that are still there or that are trying to get out? And uh, what is the plan? What is the strategy to, to, to be helpful there? Well, I mean, the strategy is right now, from the administration's point of view, is they're going to rely on the Taliban to allow those individuals to leave. Well, good luck with that, because they didn't do it when U.S. forces were there. Why in the world do we think they're going to suddenly have a change of heart and allow those individuals to leave now? But, I mean, I have, I'm so grateful for the people who work in my office. And in many cases, they're young people. And they have had the most the most trying last two weeks as they have worked no exaggeration around the clock literally working in the middle of the night as they try to resolve the time differences with individuals who are there and are begging for help and i have a recording on my phone where this individual is saying they just killed my son he's saying please is there anything you can do please help me and then the line gets cut off i mean this is heartbreaking uh, that people would be put in this situation and we're doing everything we can and honestly boy we've had some success there's been a few 
and I wish it was many more, but there have been a number of people that we have been able to assist and to help evacuate, but it's a tiny drop in a great big bucket. And it's been, it's been a really emotional experience for our staff as we've tried to help these individuals. Uh, Representative Chris Stewart, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the line. Now, this is a crucial conversation. We hope that Congress uh, does get back into session uh, and that we can start having these conversations. And again, doing it in a way that is open and honest, where we can really show to the American people, this is where we are, this is where we need to go, and this is what we need everyone uh, to do to get there. Congressman Chris Stewart, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And that's uh, Representative Chris Stewart. We are standing by to hear from President Joe Biden uh, as they break down uh, what has happened over the last 24 hours. And more importantly, what comes next? And to me, that's the test. Uh, can we lead? Can we lead here at home? Can we lead around the world? Uh, that credibility, that moral obligation to our friends and allies. And how do we make sure that any American uh, who wants to get out of that country, we have to ensure they can. And those who have stood shoulder to shoulder with American forces, uh, we owe them uh, what we promised. And we have to continue that conversation. And that's what we're going to do, looking at uh, how we can leverage, if we have any leverage, with the Taliban coming up next. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.